Good afternoon, brothers and sisters. It is a great blessing that we may be here again to join together in worship of our triune God. A hearty welcome to all who are present here and to all those who have joined us via the live stream. May the preacher and the gospel message direct our hearts and minds in faith to trust our Saviour, Jesus Christ, and cause us to live our lives to praise him. Consist as the following announcements. We have received an attestation for Sister Clarissa Vandendolder from the Free Reformed Church of Bunbury. We welcome her to our congregation. Sister Caitlin Hitting has requested an, an attestation to the Free Reformed Church of West Albany. We wish her the Lord's blessing in her new congregation. Next week, Sunday on the 11th of June, we will, the Lord willing, celebrate Lord's Supper in the morning service. And this afternoon, the worship service will be led by Reverend Poppy. Before we commence, let us sing together from Psalm 33, verse 2 and 6. Brothers and sisters, please rise and let's worship the Lord. We confess that our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Amen. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 
Let's sing together. We're going to sing another song praising God for his work in creation, Psalm 19, verse 1. Now make a profession of our faith. Let's do so this afternoon with the words of the Apostles' Creed as set to music in hymn two.
Let's now call upon the Lord in prayer and let's ask him for his blessing. Almighty God, creator of heaven and earth, we stand in awe of you. We glorify you because you are the one who called all things into existence simply by speaking. We stand in awe of you, Lord, because you've made everything beautiful. Everything is, is created in such a way that it works. There's so much beauty, so much grandeur, so much majesty in the world in which you made. Such a demonstration of your character, of who you are. You are the beautiful God. You are majestic. You are glorious. You are holy. You are awesome. Thank you for revealing this to us. And thank you, Lord, for drawing us near to you by teaching us about yourself. Father, together with, with the angels, together with all creation, we praise you. We stand in awe of you because of your creative power. And we also thank you, Lord, that as the creator God, you've entered into an intimate relationship together with us. You're not someone who's far away from us. You're not distant. You're not unconcerned about us. But you're a God who also cares about us. You've entered into a very close relationship, a family relationship. We are your sons and daughters, and you have become our Father in Christ. Thank you that you use your power, your understanding, your wisdom, also to care for us. Father, this afternoon we hope to open your word to understand what you've done for us, to see the, the majesty of the world that you've created. Please give us your spirit. Please help us to understand you and to stand in awe of you, to praise and glorify you. Please give us a heart, Lord, where we seek to, to understand you more and more, we wish to, to know you and to draw near to you. Please forgive us for all the sins that we've committed. Keep sin and evil away from us during this time. Thank you for the gift of your word. Thank you for, for allowing us to, to sit under it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So brothers and sisters, this afternoon I may preach God's word to you concerning the, the work of God in creation. God is our Father who is also the creator. After creating this world, then he entered into this special relationship with us where he cares for it and he also cares for us. I'd like to read two passages of scripture with you about that. The first one is taken from Proverbs 8 and the second one from Romans 1. Proverbs 8 is an interesting chapter. You might not think that this is the first chapter we'd read when we speak of God the Father as our creator. What it does in this chapter is it personifies, create, personifies wisdom. And so it... It pretends that wisdom is a person, and then it talks about the, the blessing and the joy and the gift that comes through wisdom. And then the last part of the, the verses, it really describes that it is by wisdom that God created this world. That's particularly what we're going to look at this afternoon. So I'd like to read with you Proverbs 8, starting at verse 1. You can find that on page 631 of your, your guest Bible. Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights beside the way, at the crossroads, she takes her stand. Beside the gates in front of the town, at the entrance of the portal, she cries aloud, To you, O men, I call, and my cry is to the children of man. O simple ones, learn prudence. O fools, learn sense. Hear, for I will speak noble things, and from my lips come what is right. For my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There is nothing twisted or crooked in them. 
They are all straight to him who understands, and right to those who find knowledge. Take my instruction instead of silver, and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than jewels, and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and I find knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil, pride and arrogance, and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. I have counsel and sound wisdom. I have insight. I have strength. By me kings reign and rulers decree what is just. By me princes rule and nobles who govern justly. I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently find me. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold, and my yield than choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness, in the paths of justice, granting an inheritance to those who love me and filling their treasuries. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. Ages ago, I was set up at the first, before the beginning of the earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. Before he made the earth with his fields or the first of the dust of the world. When he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit so that the waters might not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was there beside him like a master workman. I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the children of men. And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise and do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. Whoever finds me, finds life and obtains favor from the Lord, but whoever fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me love death. So far to reading from Proverbs 8, then we're going to turn in our reading to Romans chapter 1. You find that on page 1116. In Romans 1, we're going to read the verses, just a few verses there, 18 to 23. The God's word says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world, in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, 
and birds and animals and creeping things. So far. Let's now sing to the praise of our Creator God. We're going to sing Psalm 104, the verses 1, 6, and 8.
Brothers and sisters, this afternoon I preach the gospel to you concerning the creative work of God and the special relationship that God the Creator has with us as our Father. And look at that as the church has summarized, confessed that in Lord's Day 9 of the Heidelberg Catechism. You can find that on page 525 of your book of praise. Lord's Day 9 has this heading, God the Father and our creation. What do you believe when you say, I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth? That the eternal Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who out of nothing created heaven and earth and all that is in them, and who still upholds and governs them by his eternal counsel and providence, is for the sake of Christ his Son, my God and my Father. In him I trust so completely as to have no doubt that he will provide me with all things necessary for body and soul, I will also turn to my good whatever adversity he sends me in this life of sorrow. He is able to do so as Almighty God and willing also as a faithful father. Well, dear brothers and sisters, congregation loved by the Lord Jesus Christ, in Belgian Confession Article 2, we confess that there are two ways to know God. One way is through his word. The Lord has more fully revealed himself to us through his word. But the other way is through creation. We confess there that by the creation, preservation, and government of this universe, which is before our eyes, is the most beautiful book, wherein all creatures, great and small, are so many letters leading us to perceive God's invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, as the Apostle Paul says in in Romans 1, verse 20. We confess here that creation is awesome, that it's the place where God has imprinted his nature. And if you want to know God, then that's one place that you can look. So what does creation reveal about God? One of the first things is his power. God has this incredible power by which he simply speaks and things come into being. We sang from Psalm 33. It's one of the things that celebrates there. It's in Psalm 33, verse 6. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. By the breath of his mouth, all their hosts. There's actually quite a few other psalms that celebrate the power of God in his work in creation. You can think of Psalm 8, Psalm 19, Psalm 104, Psalm 148. If you think about that, you simply speak and something comes into being. I do it with my catechism students when I'm trying to impress this on them. I, I say, well, just imagine if you could do that. Let there be a cup of coffee. You have this warm cup of coffee in your hand. And the kids, they don't need any imagination. They don't need any further encouragement. Let there be a brand new bike. And let there be a million dollars. And they're imagining that these things just show up in their hands. And you know, it's really quite interesting if you think about that, that it also shows you something else to the glory of this God. Because if we start thinking about calling things into existence, then probably the first thing we think about are things that would benefit us things that make our life easy or pleasurable or good. In some ways, 
You know, we tend to be selfish, and we tend to be petty. But you know, the Lord's not like that. He's not selfish and he's not petty. When he calls things into existence, then he calls a world into existence that's beautiful and that's good. A world which, which not only reflects his glory, but a world which also functions together well and is for the good of those for whom it has been created. And so we live in this world as human beings. God created this world for us, and it's a really good world, and it functions very well for us, and it's a really beautiful world. It's an incredible place to be. You, you get to enjoy something of, of the, the beauty and the goodness of the God who created it. But then, you know, besides that, besides the power of God, besides the beauty of God, besides the goodness of God, there's also one aspect, another aspect of God's character that's revealed in creation. And that is God's wisdom. There's actually quite a few passages in the Bible when it talks about God's creative work, that it really celebrates the breadth of his wisdom and his understanding. And I'm sure you've had that, brothers and sisters. One thing to, to enjoy the beauty of creation, we do that sometimes. You get out into the world and you enjoy the ocean. Maybe it's snorkeling or maybe it's fishing, maybe it's just being out in the water, maybe it's a beautiful sunset. Or maybe you, you enjoy going into the hills, you enjoy going for a hike, and you see the beautiful trees, and you see these, these valleys. Yeah, you don't have mountains here, but mountains. You see a lot of the beauty of God. And then... One of the other things is, is if some of those things strike you, then every once in a while what you do is you say, you know, I'd like to learn a little bit more about that. And so you get involved with that, and you, you study it, and you explore it, and you investigate it. And the more you study, and the more you explore, and the more you investigate, the more you see something of the wisdom of the Lord. The authors of the Bible, they point out that our God is extremely wise. He has great understanding. He has an incredible mind. And that mind is reflected in everything he's made. And so they talk about how he stretched out the heavens, how he created the world, how he gave boundaries to the sea, and how he filled the world with living creatures. They talk about how everything that he created bears a stamp of his nature. Well, I'd like to, to take a little bit of time with you this afternoon and to consider this aspect of God's character, his wisdom and understanding as demonstrated in creation. And so I preach God's word to you this afternoon with this theme, God created and upholds this world with wisdom and understanding. We're going to see in the first place the Father's wisdom in creating, and then secondly, the Father's wisdom in caring. Now it's really interesting when you read about the, the first account of creation, then the Bible's very modest in describing the quality of God's work. He uses this phrase, Genesis 1, verse 3, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light, and God saw that it was good. It was good. He actually repeats it a bunch of times, and it was good, and it was good, and at the very end, and it was very good. So we made the world, and it was good. But you know, there's a bunch of other places in which God's people reflect on this work, and they highlight that, it's really actually very well done. Like, it's amazing. One of the people who does that is Solomon, Proverbs 3. First in the, the verses just before that, right in the beginning of, the, of this Proverbs, of this chapter of Proverbs, 
he talks about wisdom and about what a great thing wisdom is. A lot of the same themes as the beginning of Proverbs 8. And then in Proverbs 3, verse 19, he, he says, The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps broke open and the clouds dropped their dew. So Solomon's saying, the Lord's extremely wise. And it's by his wisdom that he, that he founded the earth. And it's by his understanding that he established the heavens. Well, I'm not sure if you've watched those nature videos, brothers and sisters. There's a bunch of these, these videos that show the place of the world in the solar system and in, in our galaxy and within the rest of the universe. When you look at some of these videos, then it shows how infinitesimally small we are compared to the expanse of the universe that God has created. When you see how huge the universe is, when you, you try to bend your mind around the incredible work of God in stretching out the heavens, then you, you're very small and you're made, you're made very, very puny. You stand in awe of the understanding and the power and the wisdom of the creator God who, who made these things and who stretched them out. We worship a God who's awesome and who's glorious. He founded the earth. What does that mean? What does it mean that he founded the earth? Now he's someone who, who also, it says here, by his knowledge the deeps broke open and the clouds dropped their dew. So the Lord is the one who, who opened up the deeps, who first created the depths, the waters, Genesis 1 verse 2. He's the one maybe who, maybe this is a reference also to the flood, who, who opened up the deeps of the flood. The waters broke open and they flooded the earth. Well, this is a matter of the wisdom of the understanding of God. He does things that are beyond our comprehending. And Solomon really expands on this in Proverbs 8. He personifies wisdom. He pretends there that wisdom is a person. And the first part of the chapter, he talks about what a blessed thing it is to be wise. If you are wise, if you pursue understanding, then you have the best thing in the world. It's better than silver. It's better than gold. It's better than jewels. He says, if you have wisdom and understanding, then you have long life, then you have blessing, then you have health. If you're, if you're wise, a wise person, then every manner of, of peace and blessing comes upon you. And it's within that context that he talks about wisdom. This, he personifies wisdom as this woman. And he says, wisdom was with God when God first created the world. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. Ages ago, I was set up at the first before the beginning of the earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth, before he had made the earth with its field or the first stuffs to the world. And the implication is, he did all these things through me, by me. And that's really what he says in the next verses there. When he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit, so that the waters might not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him, like a master workman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, 
rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the children of man. Solomon tries to give you a sense of, of the wisdom of God by saying, wisdom was there when God created this world. And she was so excited. She was bouncing off the walls. It was the greatest thing in the world to see the way that, that God created everything and the way he put everything in its place. Everything was done through understanding. It was done by wisdom. It was done with this profound insight into what's very best, into what's, what's done in the, in the very best way. I was like a master craftsman at his side, and the Lord delighted in me. When you look at the world, it's, it's a demonstration of the character of God, brothers and sisters. There's a bunch of other places in the Bible we're called to reflect on the glory of God's wisdom and his understanding in creating the world. I'll just mention a few to you. It's in Psalm 136, verse 3. Give thanks to the Lord of lords for his steadfast love endures forever. To him alone who does great wonders for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who by understanding made the heavens for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who spread out the earth above the waters for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever because he created a beautiful, a majestic world. For another example, prophet Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 10. He talks to the people of Israel. They're just about to go into exile. And he says, worshiping false gods is really dumb because false gods are nothing. They're useless. They can't do anything for you. They can't hear. They can't talk. He says you have to nail them down so they don't topple over. He says actually they're so useless as if you need to go somewhere, then you need to pick them up and carry them. And he contrasts that with the Lord who carries his people. But it's in contrast with that. He says in Jeremiah 10 verse 10, But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and the everlasting King. And in verse 12, it is he who made the earth by his power, who established the world by his wisdom, and by his understanding stretched out the heavens. These gods are nothing. They know nothing. But the Lord is the majestic God. With wisdom and with understanding, he made this world. He demonstrates something of his nature, his wisdom and his understanding in the world which he made. And so you need to recognize this God. You need to acknowledge him. You need to worship him. In Psalm 104, we have another example. God is praised for his greatness, his splendor, and his majesty as demonstrated in creation. Psalm 104 is, is a poem. You could say it's a, a poetic version of the story of creation. God clothes himself with light. He stretches out the heavens, he makes the clouds, he establishes the earth, he sends the water down into the sea. He fills the earth with birds and beasts, he gives food to man. And then in verse 17 it continues, The trees of the Lord are abundantly watered, the cedars of Lebanon that he planted. In them the birds build their nests, the stork has her home in the fir trees. The high mountains are for wild goats, the rocks are a refuge for the rock badgers, he made the moon to mark the seasons. The sun knows its time for setting. You make darkness, and it is night, when all the beasts of the forest creep around. 
The young lions roar for their prey, seeking their food from God. When the sun rises, they steal away and lie down in their dens. Man goes out to his work and to his labor until evening. O Lord, how manifold are your works. In wisdom, you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. He's talking here about a bunch of the the creative works of God. The Lord makes these animals, these wild animals, and he says God gives them the night where they can prowl around and get their food. And during the day, they go to sleep. And during the day, man goes about and does what he needs to do. And in the end, he, he praises God for his work in creating the sea that's teeming with innumerable creatures. And so he's really saying God's works are manifold. They're, there's so many of them. They're extremely diverse. And every single one of them is made in wisdom. You know, you study creation, and you get to see a little bit of that, brothers and sisters. Most of God's creatures, when you, when you study them, you see that there's this incredible complexity about them. But you know, it's, it's not that they're unnecessarily complex. They're as complex as they need to be in order to function in the way that they need to function. They're also as simple as they can be. The Lord is not, he's not a computer programmer who has a hard time writing succinct, clear code. He's the best programmer in the world. And the code he writes is just magnificent. It does what it needs to do, and it does it in the best way possible. (coughs) And so all God's creatures, all the animals and the insects, the birds, the fish, the sea creatures, the viruses, the bacteria, the fungi, the protozoa, they all live together, and they all complement one another. They have these, these beautiful symbiotic interdependent relationships. Well, the scripture tells us that's one of the things that really delighted Solomon. Solomon, we're told, 1 Kings, he's the the wisest person who ever lived. He knew people. He knew how to administer justice. He knew how to, to establish righteousness. He also knew how to organize a kingdom. But on top of that, the Bible also tells us he knew all about the glory of God in creation. After telling us about all his other wisdom, that in 1 Kings 4 verse 33 it continues, it says, He spoke of trees, from the cedar that is in Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of the wall. And he also spoke of beasts and of birds, of reptiles and of fish. Well, what would it be like to, to have been a student of Solomon? Can you imagine that? He spoke of trees. Well, trees, they show something of the the glory of God. It's one of my personal interests. So I'll share just a little snippet, a few little snippets of you that show the glory of God through his trees. You know, one of the things about trees is that trees can't move. And if they're threatened in some way, then how do they escape? How do they survive? If an animal, if a person's threatened, then we can get away and we can survive, but a tree doesn't do that. So what does a tree do? Well, the Lord created trees in such a way that when they reproduce, they have this really unique feature. When any 
any other organism reproduces, then the DNA is an exact replica of the other DNA, and you have something that goes over the copy, just to make sure that it's an exact replica and that everything's good. Well, trees don't do that. When a tree copies its DNA, and it copies it, but it's kind of mumble-jumble. And it copies the next version, it's kind of mumble-jumble, and the next one's a bit different, and the next one's a bit different. And each tree makes thousands or millions of seeds, and it does it on purpose. Because one seed that falls to the ground is really good in dry soil. And the next seed that falls is really good in wet soil. And the next seed that falls is really good in the heat, and the next seed that falls is really good in the dry. And the next seed that falls is really good in nutrient-rich soil, and the next seed that falls is really good where it's really depleted. And so no matter what happens, no matter how the environment changes, no matter what conditions the progeny of this tree find itself in, there will be some seeds that are able to survive and to thrive. Isn't that a, a beautiful testament of the glory of the Creator? For another example, we have these giant redwoods. We have this interconnected relationship. We had Reverend Cornelius Klein here a couple of, maybe a year ago. He was talking about how these are the tallest trees of the world. They have a very, um, the root system doesn't go very deep in the ground, and yet they never fall over because all the roots are interconnected. And so they hold each other up. Well, apparently these, these giant redwoods, they have two kinds of leaves. One for making food, and one for drinking in water. And so there's some of these leaves that specialize in drinking water. One tree can drink 54 liters of water out of the air, not out of the ground through its roots, but out of the air. It, it absorbs the water through its roots. It has cells in these leaves that expand, that suck in the, the moisture, the rain, or the fog, and they get really big. And then some of that's used for growing the tree if it needs it. It can take it inside and it can grow itself. But a lot of that water, it's just stored inside the tree. And then when everything dries out, when everything, when there's no water around, then the tree starts to transpire this water back into the atmosphere. Up to 500 liters a day from one tree. And so this water goes back into the Earth's atmosphere, and it gets blown a little further along, and you have more rainfall further inland. And so the further you get away from the ocean, the opportunity still exists there's a lot of water to fall deeper inland. And apparently these trees have it. If they grow in a place where there's a lot of rainfall and a lot of moisture, then they only have less of these, these kind of leaves, and they're just at the bottom of the tree. But if you're in a, a place where there's a lot of fog, then there's more of these leaves, and they're spread out through the tree, and they'll grab more water from the fog as it passes by. Well, it's one of the reasons why, if you look at the the amount of rainfall we've gotten here in WA was in the 60s and 70s. The government made this program to create the wheat belt, cut down a lot of the trees. There's a marked difference in the level of precipitation that we have since that time. Well, they have a, a demonstration of the wisdom and the glory of God in taking care of his ecosystem, in providing rainfall and, and water for not just for these trees, but for the rest of the ecosystem. There's so many, so many more stories, brothers and sisters. Liberia. Look it up when you get home. There is this, it takes hundreds of years for it to grow. It grows in old growth forests, grabs nitrogen out of the air, and it metabolizes the nitrogen, 
gets really big, grows and grows. Over time, it starts dropping. And the Liberia falls to the fourth floor, and it's one of the best fertilizer programs in the world. You only see it in old-growth forests. You study creation, brothers and sisters, and you will be blown away by the majesty, by the wisdom, by the understanding of our God. I have to cut out a few paragraphs to keep on moving here. Well, the Lord does it on purpose. He loves us. And he wants us to know him. He wants us to understand his glory, his majesty, his understanding, his wisdom. And so if there is some part of his creation that, that you delight in, that you need to, to delight in that. You need to spend time in that. You need to, to study it and to, to enjoy it and to be there and to praise God for who he is and for what he's done. And so take time to do it, brothers and sisters. If you have a holiday, then get out into creation. Or take a Saturday morning, go out to the beach or, or go out into the woods. If you have an opportunity, then, then study some part of God's world, whatever it might be. I'd suggest that you make it your goal to become an expert in some part of God's world. You have a decade, take a decade, take two decades, and study some part of his creation, and get really good at it. And as you know creation, as you understand something, what God's done, then share it with other people. Praise God, talk about it with other people, tell other people about the glory of our God who made such a beautiful world. And let other people celebrate together with you the nature of our Father. You know, the sad thing is that many people, they don't see it. They don't know it. They don't get it. It's in Romans 1. We read together in Romans 1 that some people, they they don't understand who God is. They've rejected God. They don't believe in him. And the result is that that they're darkened in their understanding. They don't see God in creation. And so these days... Every textbook in the world is full of this evolution. Every explanation of what's going on in the world is full of this evolution. And it steals the glory of the creator. It's a stab at the heart and the character of God. And the result is that these people become dumb. They, They exchange the glory of the immortal God, and instead what they start doing is they start worshiping created things, creatures. They spend all their time Studying these creatures and studying these, these created things. And in the end, it's to their detriment. Instead of knowing God, instead of standing in awe of him, instead of glorifying him, instead of praising him, they're blind. And they live in these, these make-believe worlds, these false worlds. Now, it's really it's one of the ways in which you know, we as the people of God, we're really being challenged as well. There's more and more worlds out there for you to explore that are the the fruit of some person's imagination. And some of them are good. Some of them are, you know, really beautiful people have thought up beautiful things. But, you know, many of those worlds, they're not good. Many of those worlds are created because people are seeking your attention. They want to make money off you. And so they they put off sorts of things that that are mindless, that are banal. They put all sorts of things that are, that are evil, that are wicked. They want to suck up your attention for their movies and their TikTok and their, 
their YouTube channels and for, for all the other stuff that they do. Well, these are created things. And many times, these are evil things. And they estrange you from your God in heaven. Well, it's not for us. It's not who we are. We are the people of God. We are those who know the Father. It's not a, a thing that happens automatically. It's really, it's a gift that God gives us in Christ. In Christ, he saves you from your sin. In Christ, he reveals himself to you. It's through Jesus Christ that you come to know that he is the creator God, and that you stand in awe of him, that you glorify him. So it's really a gift of grace that you can know him and that you can have this relationship with him, that you can understand something of his understanding, that you can glorify him for his divine nature. Well, brothers and sisters, do it. be, Be involved in creation. Study his world and stand in awe of him and glorify him. Something that, that will also have quite an impact on your relationship with him. It says you come to know the Lord and it says you come to understand who he is. That leads to great humility. You see the expanse of the universe and you feel about this big. And you know that's, that's one of the real blessings of God. He changes you. You see your sinfulness. You see your smallness. You see his greatness. You see his glory and majesty. And then you humble yourself before him. You want a real-life example of that? You can think of Job. Job's got this really hard life. He's suffering a lot. And at one stage, he says, I only wish that I could sit down and I could have a conversation. And I could justify myself and show that, that this isn't fair, that it shouldn't be this way. And the Lord says to Job, he says, Job, you, you want to have that conversation? He says, we can do that. But first, I just have a couple of questions for you. He says to Job, he says, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determines its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and the sons of God shouted for joy? Job, if you have such understanding, if you think that you know what's just and right, if you're going to charge me with being unjust... And maybe just first start with creation and demonstrate your understanding by, by revealing to me my thoughts when I made this world. You remember where that left Job? He claps his mouth, his hand over his mouth, and he humbles himself. He repents. He despises himself in dust and ashes. He's deeply humbled when he considers the glory, the majesty, the understanding, the wisdom of God as demonstrated in creation. And so he no longer wants to question God. He doesn't demand audience with his maker. No, instead, he stands before him as a humble servant. He's willing to accept what God gives, and he knows that God knows best. Well, it's a really good place to be, brothers and sisters. When you look at creation, you begin to understand the glory of your God, you're deeply humbled. You know that he knows best, and you have security in his care over your life. And then the rest of, of Lord's Day 9, especially in Lord's Day 10, it gets into that. This creator God, he's not just a distant God, but he's a God who's entered into a very personal relationship with you. He is your father. 
who loves you and who's promised to care for you. We believe that for Christ's sake, that he will look after us. We trust that he'll give us everything that we need. And so, seek to know your God, brothers and sisters. Know not just his power and his glory, but also know his wisdom and his understanding. And as you get to know that, also through his creation, then humble yourself before him. Then trust him and trust your life to him. He's very powerful and he's very good. And he'll provide us with whatever we need. And if he sends us hard things, then he'll also help us to be able to get through that and to get to the other side. Next week, that's really the, uh, the theme for the sermon. So we look forward to, to entrusting ourselves to the providential care of our Father. Amen. Well, brothers and sisters, let's once again sing of the, the glory of our God. We're going to sing from Psalm 147, the verses 2 and 3. Now call upon the Lord in thanksgiving and prayer. 
Almighty Creator God, we glorify you. You are the one who called this world into existence. We stand in awe of you because of the wisdom, the understanding, the knowledge that you had and that you displayed in this world. Father, together with Paul, we, we understand that everything that you have created has an imprint of your divine nature, your invisible power. <clears throat> we thank you, Lord, that you have revealed this to us. We thank you that through Jesus Christ that we can know you. Christ has shown us who you are. And Christ has redeemed us. He's renewed our minds through his Holy Spirit so that we understand that you are the creator God. You're the one who made us and you're the one who upholds us. Father, thank you for giving us this understanding. And we pray that you would please help us to look at your world and to appreciate your character. Help us to study the world that you've given us, Lord. Help us to enjoy it. Help us to see something of your beauty reflected in this world. There is so much beauty in this world. You're not a God who, who makes things so that they're, they're ugly. But you're a God who, who makes everything beautiful. You're, a God, you're not a God who makes things so that there's chaos. But you're a God who, who upholds this world so that everything works together. Everything's in, in perfect design. There's so many symbiotic relationships between all the different parts of your creation. The more we study it, the more we see those relationships and we stand in awe of you, the creator. Father, we, we praise you for the diversity which you have put in this world. And we praise you that you have the ability to uphold this diversity. Lord, sometimes we see where, where one, one species, one animal, one bacteria seems to gain hold and it, it has a huge impact on, on the rest of, of those around it. But then you also create other, other ways in which that, that first thing is, is held in check and held back. This creation has, has gone on for thousands of years. It's never been overrun by one thing or another. And the reason for that, Lord, is because of your understanding and your wisdom and your divine power. And so we stand in awe of you and we give you glory. We humble ourselves before you. We thank and praise you for your greatness and for your might, for your understanding. Father, we ask that you'd also help us to pursue greater understanding. Please put it in our hearts that we wish to know you, and that we do so not only through the scriptures, but also through your word. Through your word. And then, Father, we pray that you would humble us. The more we understand your understanding, the more we, we can comprehend of your work, the more humble we become before you. We see that, that your understanding is so far beyond us. So those people who spent their lifetime studying a certain animal or a certain disease or a certain relationship in this world, they, they realize that they're just scratching the surface and that there is so much more to understand. There's so many more mechanisms in place that they have no comprehension of. And that really, that really attests to the glory that you have as our creator. Please give us the ability to, to pursue that and to, to glorify you for who you are and what you've done. Father, thank you for recreating us in Christ. Thank you for giving us your word by which you teach us these things. And thank you for working it out in our hearts and for also putting us into a community where we can encourage each other in these things. Please help us in this with your Holy Spirit. Father, we also pray that we can enjoy your world, that you give us time, and that you give us the desire to to find much pleasure and joy in, in the world that you've created for us. Help us take good care of it and not to destroy it. 
Dear Father in heaven, we also wish to thank you for your, your care over us in so many other ways. We're so grateful to you, Lord, for, for the blessings that you have given to our congregation. Thank you that we have each other. Thank you, Lord, that, that you put us into a community of the saints where we can love and care for each other. Think of this time also of, of several members of our congregation who need you in special ways. Lord, it's really this past week. We think of the, the, our brother Eric Wilcox, who had to bury his father. It's also brother-in-law for sister Annie Osthausen. We pray that you look after Eric and his mother and, and his siblings. Pray that you be with Francois and Annie and the rest of their siblings and the rest of the family. Please comfort them, Lord, as they, they bury their loved one. Please grant that they may look to you for peace and for comfort. Help them to grieve his loss. Such a shock, and it happened in such an unexpected way. And help them, Lord, to, to look to you and to find their peace in you. Dear Father in heaven, we also pray that you would please be near to the rest of, of the members of our congregation who are grieving the passing away of loved ones. Oftentimes, it's such a difficult thing to come to grips with. We ask that you would be near to your people, that you grant us the, the comfort that only you can give. Lord, we also pray that you would please accept our thanksgiving for the blessing that you've given to our brother Rod Youngling. Thank you that the operation went well, that he's recuperating, that all things are well. I want to pray for him, Lord, that you continue to bless the recovery. Please keep him free from infection. Please grant that, that he can heal, that he may be restored to health and strength and make a well for our brother. We also pray, Lord, that you give him patience. He's able to accept this out of your hand. Thank you for the great faith that he has, and thank you for the way he often testifies to your glory and your majesty and your goodness in his life. Please continue to be near to him and sustain our brother through this time. We also pray, Lord, that you look after the rest of the members of our congregation who have to deal with health concerns. There's so many concerns and so many challenges in so many ways. Thank you for being our father and thank you for looking after us. We also wish to thank you, Lord, for the work that's being done in the mission field. We're grateful that, that the the missionaries that we sent out, that they continue to share the hope of the gospel. Thank you, Lord, for another preaching tour that they could make in Lay and for the blessing that you give upon that. He's also blessed the, the work that was done in Kanantu and, and also in the Kingston Market. Grant that as they preach the gospel that it may touch the hearts of different people, and that these people may seek your face, that there's a seed that gets planted and that they seek to know you, and that they seek to join together with your church. Father, we ask that you would continue to watch out for them, that you give them good health and good strength. We also want to pray that you would please bless the decision that we made this morning as a congregation. Looking forward to extending a call to Brother Tim Slaw. I want to ask the Lord in the first place that you help him to pass his class exam later this week. Give him wisdom and insight and grant that that may go well. And then, Lord, please bless him as he considers the call. Grant that he may be able to to bring this matter before your throne of grace, that he seeks to honor you first and foremost in, in the, the direction in which his life would take. You don't know if he'll have other calls or how things will go. But we pray, Father, that you would please bless and help him to make a decision that honors you. And it would be our great joy, Lord, if, if he's able to accept this call, to be able to do the work here for us in P&G. Lord, we ask that you would be near to our brother and that you open the way. And we do so with, with humility before you acknowledging that you know what's best. And then, Father, we also wish to thank you for the work that's being done at the Canadian Reformed Theological Seminary. Grateful, Lord, that another year is done. We also want to bring the students before your throne of grace. 
There are 11 students who are going out to do their, their internships. Lord, we ask that you would bless these men, also some Australians in the mix there. Please give them wisdom and insight. Grant that they're able to walk alongside an experienced minister in doing their task and grant that they may grow through this experience. There's also five men who hope to present themselves to the churches to be eligible for call. Bless them in the various classes in which they, they present themselves. Grant that they're able to complete their work there, that they can pass the exam, and that they can be called by the churches. We ask, Father, that you bless the churches through the work that's being done. Grant that faithful ministers can go out. We pray that many more ministers may, may take up the call. And we also have another half dozen men who are doing mission internships. They're getting the, some experience in the field to understand what it's like on the mission field. Lord, we also pray that you would bless these men in their work. We ask that, that they may understand what it looks like to share the gospel with someone for the first time, that they may grow in, in understanding and appreciation for this work. And we pray, Lord, that you raise up also new men who, who are willing to go into mission. Dear Father in heaven, we pray that you would please also bless us within our congregation. We're so blessed that you bring many guests and visitors to us. Please help us to disciple them, help us to be faithful and caring for them. Grant that we love each other from the heart and that we're able to share the hope of the gospel with many others. Father, we ask that you take care of us in this, this coming week. We're grateful that tomorrow that we can have a holiday. We ask, Lord, that you grant your blessing upon it, that we can use this day for, for your glory and for your honor, that you also give us the rest that we need and that you bless the work that we do in the rest of the week. Please accept the thank offerings we bring before you and please hear our prayer, Father. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So once again, brothers and sisters, the collection this afternoon is for the mission work in P&G. Then after the collection, you're invited to rise, so we're going to sing together from hymn 8.
The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.